0: Welcome to Ocity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Curland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I also have a brand new children's book out called Teddies to the Rescue. You can learn more about all my books at my website, theclickercenter.com. And as always, I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Kavalia. And this week, we're also joined by Anita Sne. Anita is a Feldenkrais practitioner, and uh, Feldenkrais work is going to be the focus of this week's conversation. So the obvious question to begin with is, what is Feldenkrais work? And that really is the million-dollar question. How do you define or describe something which is experienced differently by each individual who uses it. That's the challenge. I relate to the Feldenkrais work through my work with the horses. Anita has a very different relationship with the work, and Dominique is just beginning to dust the frost off the tip of the iceberg to see if this is something that she would like to explore. Last week, I looked back at the pioneering work of Sally Swift and Linda Tellington-Jones. And just as for many animal trainers, it was Karen Pryor who introduced us to clicker training and really the whole field of behavioral analysis via her book, Don't Shoot the Dog. The Alexander Technique came into the horse community via Sally Swift, and the Feldenkrais work came into the horse community via Linda Tellington-Jones. So... Looking back at these two innovators, hopefully that was a useful starting point for you. This week, we're going to jump into a conversation that I'm going to divide up into three episodes. So in this week's episode, be prepared to expand your thinking as Anita takes us deep into her Feldenkrais journey. She's going to be introducing the work And then next week, Anita will share an awareness through movement lesson with us, one that I think many writers will find very useful. And then the following week, we'll conclude this series with a conversation that is centered around the experience that Dominique and I have just had going through the ATM lesson. And we'll be sharing the questions and observations that we had after the session. So that's what's coming up over the next three episodes, and right now we're going to jump right in, and we're going to let Dominique
1: get us started.
0: So Dominique, you
1: want to start us off? Yeah, well, you know, coincidences, sometimes they're pretty amazing. I'm in the third course, Yes, your course. The online clinics. The online clinic, which yes. I often call the course. yes we decided to have Anita as a guest for weeks now. Yes. Right? Of course, when you suggested we had Anita, I said yes right away Um, and that was it. We didn't have to talk about it for more than uh, just a few seconds, but it just so happens that this week in the third course, it was the official introduction of Anita and the Feldenkrais method. And I didn't expect it. You know, it just happened like we're we're having her as a guest and oops, this just happened that in the course, it was Anita's presentation, which I really enjoy and have a few things that I kind of want to emphasize and I'm ready to go, which, I mean, look, I have my little, I've prepared my little station Uh With my pillow and my mattress, (laughs) just like Anita said. And I I got my my thick mattress because in the course Anita says that sometimes yoga mattresses are a little bit too thin. So you might want to have multiple mattresses. So I have my thickest mattress. I'm ready to go. And you know, (laughs) Alex, that that is for me a big progress. Because I did not have this kind of enthusiasm for body awareness work before. And look at me today. I'm really but, looking forward to this. <laughs>
0: wow, excellent, excellent. So Anita, does that turn everything upside down that we wanted uh, <laughs> to talk about and cover? Or do we jump right in with an ATM lesson or do we go to some preliminary? We probably should do some preliminary since, uh, since Dominique had the, the introduction that was in the online clinic. We can't assume that everybody listening has been privy to that same kind of this is what the Feldenkrais work is and if you can say what it is because it's so many different things and then the whole all the different ways in which it opens up our awareness and I think that was really where, where you wanted to start today
2: so, yes, but yes. but how fun, Dominique, yes. <laughs> how totally fun. It's almost as if, boy, you talk about coincidences because I have thought for about 25 years how to describe Feldenkrais and what you have said is just like it, uh, the perfect opening for what I wanted to say in advance. And I would like to do it before the Awareness Through Movement to infuse that work with greater significance than might seem that you wanna devote to something if you're thinking about exercise or you're thinking about relieving neck pain or all these really important practical things about being in a body, all really very important. But for me, the underlying heart of the work is something very difficult to communicate But Dominique, when you use the word enthusiasm and open, that just is the perfect entry into what I had been thinking and thinking about and finally prepared a little speech that I'd like to give to set up the work. It's made a lot of difference to me in my own practice, even after all these years. And so I wanted to offer that. And Dominique, I just want to tell you, it's worlds different from what I said how many ages ago that I recorded that that introduction that life moves on the the river of life flows on and on and here's where I am at the moment which is really quite different in, in
1: in the course there's an image that you make and it's actually you say that Feldenkrais used to watch a lot of babies yes and I'm sure there are a lot of grandmothers listening to this or people who have very young children. I know right now I have two babies in my environment and it's really fascinating to look at them, discover how to walk, how to push a little cart, how not to bump into the wall at the end of the straight line and turn the little cart. And in your presentation uh, in the course, you mentioned that we still have within us this ability to discover, just like little babies are in that constantly in that discovery process. And it's actually quite fascinating to watch, but also a big source of joy to watch. And so I I really like that image, you know, and when you say I didn't talk about it the same way a few years ago. Well, we're all of us on this discovery journey, I suppose, and we all progress.
2: Yes, yes, very much so. So here's what I wanted to say. When you set out to work with horses or any other animal or plant, you set out to communicate with an entirely different species. And to do that successfully, it's wise to try to imagine and enter into what their world is like. So imagine what your world would be like if you didn't have the primate hand. So think back today as you listen to this and think, how did you use your primate hand so far today? What did you do? And how many times did you use your primate hand like that? And how would the world change for you if you had hooves or paws or roots and not hands? So the Feldenkrais method is an avenue. It really is like a road to travel down, to step into a wider world. The first principle, though, is not to fantasize or invent another world, not to project some image um, that you dream up onto the world. No, far from that. It's incredibly important instead to really hone the skills of observation with an open mind. See, Dominique, when you talk about uh, what we experienced as babies, we all did this. We had no language. We only had our sensation and the feeling of how to move through the world And get what we want and calculate not to hit the wall with the cart you're pushing. All of those things are really, nobody taught us that. It was a process of discovery. So just as we learned how to do that as infants and babies, we can do that now as adults. But it's harder for us. Many of us find it very difficult And the fact is that it's that kind of exploration as adults, it really goes against our biology. So let me explain how that is. When we move in the world, we must have a degree of certainty to tell us what the world is like. We absolutely depend on feeling that the world is stable and normalized. We cannot function without that. But we have blind spots they're built in biologically and i have three examples for you to think about one is a very literal blind spot the where the optic nerve in the eye inserts from the eye into the brain there is actually a blank hole in our field of vision and If I were with you, I could show you how to to experience that. It's very strange when you finally see that if you hold your thumb in front of your eye at a certain angle, your thumb disappears. It's very disconcerting. The thing is, in in daily life, of course, we don't see an empty spot where that hole is. And the reason is that our brain is constructing, it's filling in that gap. Because the reality is, though we have no idea that the brain is doing this, the brain is constantly working to knit a continuous reality where in reality, there's no such thing. The world as we experience it is constructed in the brain. Can I I interrupt for- Sure. Quickly
0: with an example of that, because my, my eyesight has changed over time to the point where for many, many, many delightful years, I didn't have to wear glasses. What a delight. But I was aware that my eyesight was changing. But in my normal environment, I could fill in and see what I needed to see because I knew my normal environment. And I always used the trips through airports to check on my eyesight because in the airports. I didn't know where things were and I didn't know where signs were. And so I used that to see what was I seeing or not seen. And if I stayed in my home environment, I might have had a significant loss of eyesight. And people do this when they start having, when they're like, when their eyesight, what is it? The macular degeneration where they, they, they lose their peripheral vision. And they're not aware of it until it becomes really severe because they have filled in, their brain fills in for them. Yes. So it's a very real thing.
2: Yes. Yes. Great. And also I love that example because it, it, it really shows how we depend on the environment also. Yes. That, that's a kind of a little side note, but it's really important to, to pay attention to that. So that's one example. Also think about how do you know when you're thirsty or hungry? we can feel that you get those signals and then you proceed to eat or drink but when it comes to the thinking process within the brain and and how to work with that and how to act on that we've got no access we've got no way in if you if you study just the first little thing about the nervous system about how we can feel through our our physical selves, and that feeds into the brain, and then feeds back. That mechanism is mind-blowing. It's all absolutely incredible how the brain is able to coordinate nerve impulses through nerve fibers, through gaps in the synapses. I mean, it's just really unbelievable how it works, and it's happening all without our awareness. We just go about our business blissfully unaware that this incredible machinery is working over time. So another example is that the world just doesn't stay still. And we know that when we're trying to work and move with our our animals, try not to bash into our environment. um, The world does not stand still. It's constantly shifting. It's swirling cascade and collision of forces. And it moves very fast. And it's way more complex than we can ever take in in its totality. In fact, just as important as taking in information, the brain's filtering capacity is just as important in excluding information, keeping it out because we don't have the processing capability for it. So how are we going to work with this situation? There there are two challenges in the mission of learning. One, is our capacity to take in more and more information and to learn how to use it meaningfully. And the other is this contradiction where we act from a solid base and at the same time are fluid and responsive to changing circumstances. So I found this great quote from a book by a biologist and a neuroscientist they were associating together. Humberto Magrana and neuroscientist Francisco Varela. And here's the quote. We must walk the razor's edge between regularity and mutability. That's that change that I was talking about. Regularity is the consistency and mutability is the change. Or they also put it as solidity and shifting sand. This compels us to adopt an attitude of permanent vigilance against the temptation of certainty. It compels us to recognize that certainty is not proof of truth. It compels us to recognize that the world everyone sees is not the world, but a world that we bring forth with ourselves, the world and others. Just find that amazing how they were able to encapsulate an entire book into that one passage so more practicality we've got to have practicality otherwise we can't use these highfalutin abstract ideas so how does the feldenkrais method work it's expressly designed feldenkrais was a great one of the great geniuses of the 20th century he understood all of this long before neuroscience and biology caught up with him. So he designed this method to study that shifting balance, how to find the solidity in the fluidity and how to move with it. The method, what we're actually going to do is a means to sense our way into an opening mind that we can't feel and don't know how to actually use. It's quite amazing. So again, the first order of business is to disrupt that feeling of certainty, of normality, which we absolutely need to function, but which is really founded on quite narrow and limited perception necessarily. So how are we going to push on that? Dominique talked about opening and enthusiasm. This is right in the wheelhouse, right in the middle of the method, but it must be done in a manageable way. So we don't end up like transfixed by some like swirling chaos that we just get dizzy and throw up in. (laughs) So the method is specifically designed to furnish us with this very calibrated experience by offering these very carefully calibrated, constructed and structured movement sequences. And these create for and in ourselves the experience of stepping out of the cast of our historical limitation so that's really fancy language cast of historical limitation what am i talking about in in plain language habit you know what we get used to doing and what we rely on but i just love that that language of cast you know you think about being in a cast when you break a bone Um, the cast of historical limitation. We've got to have the cast to heal from the break, but we don't want to keep that. So with that opening mind, we learn how to become more creative in exploring the communication within ourselves and between us and the world. Grounded not in our fantasy, not in our projection, not in our transference, but in our own experience and feeling and expanding our information capacity, information processing capacity. So a little more practicality. We'll be doing a Feldenkrais sequence, a lesson we call them, because again, it's about learning. It's not about exercise. It's not about mechanical repetitions to build blah, blah, blah. It's learning how to open the mind. We're going to be doing a lesson in a little bit and The watchword that I'm going to offer you and repeat when we do it is know that if you register a change between how you felt before you did the lesson and how you feel after it, you have just had the experience of disrupting certainty. You will have intervened into the fixed, habitual, normalized perception of your world. You will have created for yourself. Think about that, the, the power of it, the autonomy of it. The freedom of it. You don't depend on doctrine or dogma or a trainer for yourself or outside person. You just listen to words, translate them into movement, and you create for yourself and then have the experience. You get insight into the expanded domain that always exists as a possibility because we did it when we were infants, no matter how far out of reach or long ago it may seem in the moment. So the world is your normalized perception, and the world is far greater than that. And the Feldenkrais Method is an avenue toward participating in that greater world, to meet yourself and other species in a shared field. It's a way to receive that opening world, register it, move within it, shape it and be shaped by it, and last but not least, as Alex always says, to be enjoyed to have fun with, that is 25 years of thinking about Feldenkrais compressed into however long it took me to say that. So tell me, please, if that made sense for you, did it, did it click, did it attach to something you think like might be useful for you? It's a real question, please. <laughs> we're
0: always, and especially Anita and I, when we're in conversation, it's that that question of the the Feldenkrais work absolutely clearly resonates for both of us. It makes sense to both of us. There are several questions: What is it that it is? What is it that uh, it does for those who participate in the awareness through movement lessons? And how do we talk about it in a way that will help people to resonate? And when Anita and I were doing some email exchanges, both about, you know, the this upcoming podcast and then about some other things. I loved the image of thinking about what would your what would your world be like if you did not have the primate hand? And that whole question of how did you use your primate hand today? I think is a really wonderful one. And I think about we were we were talking about opening door handles one evening, and and I had to get up and uh, and open the the doors in the room that I was in. Of how how do I open and turn the door handle? And uh, we were we were talking actually about being left-handed in a right-handed world, and how that impacts our life experience, and all these different ways that we have. Of experiencing the world, the environment, experiencing the world, being influenced, impacted, sometimes in a really good way, sometimes in a, a way that that I'm going to say reduces possibilities rather than expands possibilities. And the Feldenkrais work for me has been an avenue for expanding possibilities. So it has really helped me to to expand. What I can, what I am aware of, what I can experience, what I can do, and and to me that has great value. So rather than being restricted and constricted, the the expression of I want to be greedy. I want to have my cake and eat it too. So I want I want to be able. We talk about the A B reversals. You know, try it this way, then try it that way. You slide up a lead and and your horse pins his ears and, and bites at you. Well, clearly there's something that you're doing that your horse doesn't like. So what if we do it this other way? And what I find is for most people, they can't do A-B reversals. They can do it one way. And if you then work with them quite a bit, you can get a shift in the pattern. And then if you say, now go back and try it your original way, they can't. they can't. They don't want to go back because it doesn't feel good now that they found a better, more optimal way of moving or a way that communicates better with the horse. It's like, no, I don't want to go back. But there's so much value in being able to to be being, being able to do it this way and then that way, this way and then that way. And part of the exploration of the Feldenkrais work has really helped me to be able to do that kind of reversal. So I have a wider range of experiences that I can draw on when I start to explore, whether it's interacting with another person, interacting with the horses, exploring the rope handling. I have a much broader repertoire, which I really value. But it may be that what we need to do, because all of this is, is just words, just words, Maybe what we need to do is, is experience an ATM and then to come back and see if these words make more sense and, and in what way do they connect with you or what would connect with you to, to keep you exploring the, the pleasure of exploring.
1: We should define ATM for people who Awareness are Awareness through movement.
2: Yeah. Yes. And and if I could just jump in, I'll try to yeah. do this really quickly. One of the biggest challenges for all Feldenkrais practitioners is to persuade people away from this mechanical idea of exercise and building core strength and lung capacity, whatever people are, or recovering. I mean, all of these things are really important, recovering from injury. Feldenkrais's attention was not on that. His attention was on awareness, just like I described in the beginning, these very abstract, very difficult-to-reach experiences. And so he called the kind of work we're going to do together Awareness Through Movement, Awareness Through Movement, A-T-M. And there's another version that that requires hands-on by a practitioner. But I myself adore the idea that you can lie down, wiggle around like a worm, Translate words into movement and get the message all by yourself. So that's awareness yeah. through movement, ATM. Thanks, Dominique. And the other interesting thing that I find,
0: because we are doing this over Zoom, you're not in the same room with us, and you can't. And and the people listening, you you can't see what the people listening to this podcast are going to be doing. So you might direct us to bring our hand up to our forehead and there may be some aspect of that maybe you wanted our our I'm just making this up but maybe our thumb the back of our thumb resting on the tip of our nose let's say I doubt that's going to be your your instruction but someone listening to that might be going I'm not following that but I think I think this is what she means and the beauty of it is that your interpretation. Each one of us who are, as we interpret your words, they are uh, true for us. That it's not about being able to look over and see what is what is this other person doing? <laughs> How is she doing it? Am I right? <laughs> is that, that all that schoolroom thing of of I have to be doing it right? I have to be doing it the way the teacher said. No, you you interpret the words as best you can and, a, and the interpretation will be true for you. Would that be a, a fair statement?
2: Yes, very, very wonderful. Thank you, Alex. It's the key point. No right and wrong. That idea is just foreign and very, very misleading and distracting. No, the question is, there are a few key principles that I'm really going to say. You have to do this. <laughs> We're not a completely uh, open idea. And one of them is you have to pay attention. You have to move gently and slowly. Apart from that, it's how you interpret what's happening. Is It's open season for you to do that, provided you pay attention and you move slowly and gently. That that's that's you know, that's about it. That's about it. Those that's key yeah. because that's the avenue into your nervous system. Those those elements, slow, gentle, the and and no forcing, no make it, absolutely no make it happen. And when we, when we do the lesson, it's very important because we're going to be working with collarbones, upper back, upper chest. A lot of people have injuries there. The collarbone is one of the most frequently broken bones in the human body. So if if one little gesture tweaks your collarbone, that is information that you need to retreat from. Think about, is there another way you could do this? This is the exploration of the method. So it's, taking in your own feedback within yourself and working with that. That's that's the key, not any I, idea. Honestly,
1: I really like that part. Even in the course you said you can even skip something if it's too much. And I really like, like for me, especially the upper part of the the upper back is when if I go for a massage, I will be so defensive for so many sessions, you know, and I will keep saying to the therapist, you cannot, you, I'm defensive. It'll take many sessions before I let go and I let you in. So you have to be really, really gentle. And I like the fact that you say to us, you decide, you know, there's small movement, they should not hurt. Um, you know, you, you, so you use this, you say it's the opposite of the expression, no no pain, no gain. It's the opposite here. If there's pain, there is no gain, you say. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, actually, there is a gain, Dominique, but it's not what you would think. And the gain is, oh, gosh, I didn't realize that my left shoulder doesn't like that. Let's back away. Okay, now where's the gain there? It's the, it's the respecting the feedback, the information that you get, and maybe curving around it, maybe not doing it at all. So there's the gain. But I think the expression no pain, no gain means unless you push yourself beyond your endurance and sweat like a monster and collapse exhausted, and then are stiff for the next three days that's yeah. that's the ethos and that again is completely yeah. that's fine.
1: how you know you've done well is that's that right. you're hurting the next day that's right you're making progress <laughs> yes. good for yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> your muscles getting bigger that's right
0: right and it, it's not about being you say well you know it's if you take your can you, let's take your knee out to the side but you know just do it a little bit it's not you're not trying to to strain or or do more than is comfortable for you and there'll be somebody who say oh but I can take my knee all the way out like I can do a split it's like that's good that's great but that's not what this is about you know that 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 whole less is more you know tiny movements
1: nice and slow and And it's so very related I mean it's not you know it's it has been well thought out in the course that you would bring it in the third course that is titled "What Do You See," and we are working with very small movements with the horses. You know, in the and in the loopy training, we we build on the small, very very small movements. And I think, from what I understand, so does this method
2: exactly. Exactly. It's really uncanny how Alex created her method following the Feldenkrais principles long before <laughs> I ever got onto the scene. It's just amazing. So I said to Alex once, I said, how is that possible? And Alex, you know, I, I'll quote you, but you're here to correct me. I believe you said, well, that just shows that you're on the right track when you have that confluence, that that joining together of ideas. You're on the right track
1: you know for me the because you you keep saying observe without judgment this always comes when you're doing your lessons and I feel that that's what we always try to do with our animals you know as a positive reinforcement trainer we always see what is sometimes called undesired behavior as feedback and we don't judge it we just change the plan to get something else so this there are so many parallels between you know Alex's work and the principles of this method it's just very coherent and I found that where you introduced it Alex in the course was very relevant Uh, I mean you, you kind of started putting some seeds in the previous lessons but where you introduced officially Anita was really at the right moment i think in the course you know where you're describing what a give is and you're really starting to show us you know there's this great video where you know a horse is just turning a little bit and it's like a six second thing and i think we spend probably 15 20 minutes on looking at this movement and all the complexity of what happens in those six seconds when the horse is just turning his head a little bit after yes. the trainer has asked for this little gear. No, that's, so
0: that's the newbie video. The newbie one video. of my, my favorite videos.
2: Mine too. I can't tell you how many times I've watched that. I just absolutely love it. But it brings out a very important point that I want to make sure gets mentioned before we do the lesson. So, you know, it's all very well to be talking about tiny, gentle, slow movement. When you're actually in the lesson and with all our conditioning about um, that we've been taught about how to learn things, you could have the sensation, I'm, just, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing mm-hmm. anything. I, I want to tell you that if you have that feeling, just know that, like for instance, when I watch the work of Anya Behan, yeah, you know, the the incredibly amazing German trainer. I watch her ride. I've watched her like with a magnifying glass going, what is the magic here? What is she doing? I cannot find anything. There's nothing that stands out to me. It's just a smooth, continuous union with the horse and there's nothing to see. So my conclusion at first when she's not doing anything well, that that is the highest level of, of elite performance. there's no pulling, there's no tension, there's just this peace about it. So if you have the feeling in these tiny movements, you're just not getting it, you're really not understanding how these tiny movements can help, just see if you can trust that, that you are doing something very important. It'll just take a little while to settle into the process of it. And if you can suspend that a lot of people have that reaction. I'm not doing anything, this is just not, this is no use to me at all. Because if I were to go through my day moving in tiny slow movements, you know, I would get five feet from my bed and I'd have to go back to bed again. So just know that's a very common experience with people who've not done this work. Just hang there, just believe. Trust the process, you say. Trust the process, yes. <laughs> Yes, and yeah. zero make it happen. If you have that feeling, I'm not doing anything. Congratulate yourself. Congratulate <laughs> yourself. You got it.
0: Yeah. And and many people will often fall asleep initially, and their their nervous system needs that, so
1: it's fine. Oh, you know what? Because in in the introduction, so you 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 say you can do it if you're sitting, and maybe some of people today will want to do it sitting. But generally, you say that the Feldenkrais is done lying down. You might have your knees up, but you're lying down because you want to take gravity out of the equation. And so usually when we think of this, we think of the mats. And today, like I said, I have my mats already next to my desk because this is the most practical. But in the in the course, you mentioned that you could actually also do it in your bed. And I did. And I actually loved this a hundred times better than on the floor on a mat. It was so much more comfortable for me. And there was a time where I kind of felt like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep. I, I, I stopped the lesson and I went to sleep. But, you know, I think the possibility of doing it in your bed for some people may be one more element that attracts them to it because I don't know if there are other people like me who don't particularly like to lie down on the floor and maybe it's because my mattress is still not thick enough not long enough but my bed is perfect so it's an option you can do it in your bed yes you can do it it's isn't there a Dr. Zeus?
2: yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, I mean, we felt in Christ, you know, if you want to get into the reasoning, the little bit firmer surface is more Mm. useful in feeling. If you think about yourself lying down, there's the mat, then there's your skin, then there's your muscle, then your, your bone. You know, when you're on a firmer surface, you're kind of like in a sandwich. And what you really want is the pressure of your bone onto the unyielding floor. That's that's the idea. That's the idea. Very clear, crisp feedback. But you know, if you want to do it on your bed and and it's more useful to you after a hard day to to you know ease your way into sleep, fantastic. Absolutely great. Yes. I do that all the time. Okay. <laughs> and
0: and we had the the phrase observe without judgment which is a lovely phrase, and I use it a lot when we're working the horses. I use it a lot when, we're, when I'm doing the standing and awareness explorations, I'll observe without judgment. And part of the reason that I use that phrase a lot is because our cultural training is to observe with judgment. Mm. And it is quite, there's quite a a learning that takes place where we we need we learn to let go of. But I have to have an opinion, and not only do I have to have an opinion about this, but I need to change it. So mm-hmm. if I if I if I observe that I'm holding a lot of tension in my shoulder, well, I need to do something about it.
2: Mm-hmm. I have and to relax. I have to. I have, have to change. To it. relax. I yes. have to. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's life and death. If you know,
0: yes, yes. I can't just appreciate, oh, this is an interesting baseline. This is an interesting state of being. Let me just observe that. It's
1: like, um, oh, one more thing to do. Now I have to relax. Yes, yes. Yeah. So,
0: this,
1: so it is quite when we say, oh, just observe
0: that judgment. And we just throw that phrase about as though it's the simplest thing in the world to do when all throughout our lives we have been observing with judgment so this is a wonderful opportunity to experience what it would be like to to look at something with that kind of neutral okay this is this is what i am experiencing i don't i'm not making the judgment call of this is good bad or indifferent it is simply this is what it is. And then
2: perhaps things will change. And I will observe that as well. The critical thing is because as a as a student of the strict father paradigm, being forced into a mold, my my teacher saying, without standards, we're going to slide into anarchy and sloppiness and that is anathema to my German training. I mean on and on and on and on. So I'm thinking, observe without judgment. Well, fine, but I'm going to stay stuck here forever. I'm not going to move because I I, I can't make that work for me. So instead, what 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 I really needed personally was. First of all, observe without judgment and then have the experience that that is not true, that you'll stay stuck. And that is not true that you'll stay sloppy and and lazy and worthless human being that just is a waste of space, far from it, but you need to construct that experience. And the first Mm. step, I mean, all who are listening to this presumably understand about constructional training and Dominique, already said something about these tiny baby steps. The first step is observe without judgment. And then the next step is to begin to start actually using the Feldenkrais tools to feel, all right, observe without judgment. I'm not gonna go there. Where am I gonna go? I'm going to really pay attention. And then I'm gonna try to move this angle and then this other angle and very, very tiny. And oh my gosh, what's just happened in my shoulder? It's like three times wider see so that's that's the critical thing about observing without judgment you observe with judgment you will get in the way of that process and you will it it'll be stillborn it won't it won't go it won't move or it'll move you into areas that end up with dead ends i mean there's a zillion ways to find dead ends a zillion ways and we really do not have enough lifetime to stay in dead ends we really need to find the way out.
0: So I think at this point, I don't know about you, but I'm really eager to yeah, I'm going
1: to go on my mat now.
0: So is, would this, is this a good time to do that? Yes, I think so. This is both a terrible place and a great place to stop. We're going to shift gears completely and let Anita lead us through an awareness through movement lesson. You're beautifully primed for this lesson. So, in one sense, we should just keep going. But that would make for a very long episode. So I'm going to make you wait until next week. I'll end with just a couple of reminders. At the very beginning of the episode, you heard Dominique reference my online clinics. Dominique has moved into the third clinic in an eight-part series. This particular clinic is designed to expand a handler's observational skills. That refers to both visual and kinesthetic observational skills. This is in part to prepare people for the fourth clinic in the series, which looks in detail at rope handling skills. If you're interested in these online clinics, do visit my website, theclickercenter.com. You'll find the course syllabus for each of the clinics, plus much more information about them. And since we're entering the holiday season, I do hope you'll add my books to your gift list. Regular listeners to this podcast know that I have two new books out this year, and they could not be more different. For all of us who love horses, there's Modern Horse Training, and then there's my new children's book, Teddies to the Rescue. If you have little ones to read to or young independent readers, Teddy's to the Rescue makes a great holiday gift. You can order both books from my website, theclickercenter.com, or through Amazon. Sharing the books is a great way to say thank you for these Equosity podcasts. Whenever I see that an order has been placed, that's a lovely reinforcement for me, and one that does let me know that you appreciate this work and want to share it. And speaking of sharing, next week, Anita will be sharing an ATM lesson with you. Until then, train well and have fun with your horses.